Hey, David Scales here. Um, I'm bringing you a bonus episode of Surf Splendor today. This is a Saturday. It's not usual for me to be recording on a Saturday or publishing. But um, I hosted, Chaz Smith and myself hosted a seminar at Surf Expo in Orlando, Florida about two weeks ago, January 11th, 2019. Uh, Surf Expo had reached out and said, they do these learning lab seminars basically and um, they said that they wanted to do a learning lab about podcasting so we agreed to do that and i had a number of podcast listeners reaching out asking if we were going to be publishing it live and we weren't but they said that they still wanted it so that's why i'm publishing it here today this episode definitely is not for everybody uh it's just Chaz and i talking about uh, how to build brand awareness through the podcast platform. So maybe you've had an interest in getting into podcasting yourself, then it would apply to you. Or maybe you run a brand and you're interested in advertising on podcasts, then this definitely applies to you. So take it or leave it. Um, the audio, there's a bit of ambient background noise from the trade show in our audio here in this episode. So uh, try to persevere that. It's not terrible. But um, the first 30 seconds or so are kind of bad. But once you're past that, it's definitely listenable. And if you have any further questions, I'm available. Hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com is my email address. On the website, I've actually posted my seminar notes. So everything that's discussed, I reference statistics a number of times in this episode. I've got all of those statistics as well as links to different articles that have been written about podcasting in the last year. They're all in my notes. So come to surfsplendorpodcast.com and uh, you can access my notes there. And I also have a YouTube video of this entire seminar if you want to look at it for some reason. It's, It's not visually very interesting, but... It is there, and thank you very much to the Florida Surf Film Festival for hosting us in your booth, hosting this seminar, and of course, thanks to Surf Expo for inviting Chaz and I out, and uh, we had a blast. So without further ado, here's your bonus episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Surf Expo Day 2, everybody. This is the uh, Build a Brand Awareness Through Podcasting seminar. My name is David Scales. My name is Chaz Smith. Uh, so I started a podcast five years ago, 2013. It's called Surf Splendor. We've kind of started, uh, over the years, it's grown into multiple podcasts. Chaz and I record a podcast together called The Grit. It's based on his website that he co-founded and runs called Beach Grit. You might have visited it. You might have known Chaz from uh, his very many exploits through writing, <laughs> things that happened here on the showroom floor, and uh, Beach Grit, of course. But most notably, I would argue, from podcasting. So we're just talking because we're kind of early on in because we're we're early into the podcast space and have kind of ridden the wave of popularity as it's grown in the five years. We're just talking about how you can engage with fans with your brand uh, through the podcast medium. So, 2017, the New York Times, um, their circulation for the actually print newspaper was half a million copies of people reading the magazine or the newspaper every single day. The same year, they actually introduced a podcast called The Daily, which many of you probably listen to. 20-minute news recap podcast. By the end of the year, The Daily was getting 3.8 million downloads per day. So doing six times the number of downloads that the actual newspaper circulation was. So their, um, 
They were able, they obviously, in addition to like the print publication, they have digital subscriptions. But what was interesting was they were able to grow digital and paid subscription through that podcast medium. And they were able to see like an actual, even though the free, the podcast is free and they're putting it out there, they see a physical return on the investment in terms of real dollars and cents. So we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss who those millions of people were who the business had been around for 150 years. They were not engaging with the New York Times. Who are those millions of people that are now engaging with the newspaper that weren't for 150 years? I'm going to throw out a number of statistics throughout this. So um, I'm not putting slides up, but if you want any of this information, contact me after. I'll email you the document and uh, you can follow along that way. So first question is, why did that happen? Why were they able to get 3 million downloads within a couple of months? The reality is podcasting is completely free. It's on demand. It's perfect for this kind of binge consumption culture that we're all living in. You can wait six months, go back through the archives and listen to everything over the course of the weekend if you want. It's perfect for customizing your own curated experience. It doesn't compete for uh, screen time. So Netflix, YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff is competing for the same time. It's when you're sitting down, looking at your screen, podcasting doesn't compete for that. It's meeting people in the car when they're commuting to and from work. It's meeting people when they're working out, when they're exercising, where you actually have their rapt attention, but they're doing something that they would be doing anyways that nobody else is competing for except maybe music, Spotify or something. There's much less advertising clutter. So television generally has about 16 ads per hour. Podcasting, four minutes of ads per hour. So much less clutter. The CPM is low, so you're paying a lot less for the ads and the return on investment is significantly higher and it's trackable. So when people advertise, you can give them a promo code. They use that promo code on their website. At the end of the month, the brand can quantify exactly how many dollars were spent versus how many dollars came in. Digital media's had a hard time doing that. Print publications have never done that. So all of these, and a lot of new advertisers, Pepsi, big brands, are now getting into the space, spending real money, which is attracting, of course, bigger and better talent, better production value. So the whole thing's kind of riding a wave of popularity. I always consider in the last five years when we've seen things go away, like MySpace or whatever, I consider this very well could be a trend or maybe technology will just change and it'll all transition onto a different platform. The reality is it doesn't look like it's a trend at this point. New cars where most podcasts are listened to are gonna be outfitted with internet, of course. Um, there's gonna be a podcast button on all of your mobile devices that'll actually sync with everybody's Instagram feeds. So when you just type in at Surf Splendor on Instagram, it links to the podcast. You can search that way in the podcast. It links over to the Instagram and everything is connected. Implementation of smart speakers is huge. One in five homes, now adult homes in America, now have smart speakers. So a lot of people are now transitioning. It used to be listening in the car and when they're working out, they're now listening in the home and engaging that way. Um, they're, another interesting detail is like podcast penetration recently, the, big, the demographic that it's grown the most in is 18 to 34 year olds, which has been a notoriously hard demographic to access for many advertisers. The average ad in a podcast is 90 seconds, which seems like an eternity, but for reasons that we'll discuss later, 
there's a remarkable attentiveness to those ads. People generally don't fast forward through the advertisements like they do in television and on YouTube. You can skip the ad, that sort of thing. So knowing all of that, knowing it's riding the wave of growth, the question is kind of for you guys who haven't yet gotten in, should you do it? Should you get into podcasting? The reality is there's zero barrier of entry. It's free to upload. The technology is almost, you know, the technology is cheap. You can record something on your iPhone today. All you do is upload an MP3 onto a server, which you can also do for free, submit it to iTunes, and it goes out. You could have one up and running by the end of the day. I have a modest hardware expense, and it's maybe 300 bucks. I know Chaz just bought a hardware setup for his wife, and uh, I think it's 300 bucks all in. You could spend thousands if you want. You don't have to. It's easy barrier of entry. All that said, it doesn't mean you should do it. It's a little bit of a saturated market. It's hard to gain an audience. I think that you should only get into it if you have something interesting to say, something of value to provide to the listeners. And it needs to provide insight or entertainment or both. I would argue we do both. So I always think of it as like, if there's an angle for you to work no matter who you are. So if Surf Expo wants to do a podcast, they shouldn't do a podcast on how to run a trade show be infinitely boring it have a super small market segment of people who actually care about running a trade show but they could do a surf expo podcast about what it's like to grow a small brand to a medium brand what it's like to transition from print to digital and then interview any one of the exhibitors around here and tell that human interest origin story and some of the nuts and bolts of how you do it what that would do for Surf Expo is highlight each of their vendors. They could, they'd have endless content. They could do one a week and have years of content. So it would highlight their, their exhibitors. It would add value to the listener because everybody wants to know how to grow their small business, how to run accounting or something really basic. And it would actually have implication outside of the surf industry. It's surf specific, but it applies to anybody who's running a business. So there's a couple of brands who have actually done this. Casper Mattress does a podcast called In Your Dreams. MasterCard does a podcast called uh, Fortune Favors the Bold. Those very much feel like commercials. I would argue they're not particularly well done. I think that they're designed as profit centers. So the podcast can generate revenue and it can even be profitable, but it should never be designed as a profit center. The real value of all of this is kind of an unfettered connection to an audience, being able to communicate to your audience freely and provide something of value for them, which in return, you get this kind of intimate brand loyalty connection. So that's kind of how we design all of our content. If advertising comes, that's great, but it's really not the vehicle for the podcast. But when it does come, you can also implement these things that I'm talking about to make it feel like it's not a commercial. So I wanna talk about that value of intimacy. What is the reason why listeners are so engaged with podcasts? And I think that there's really a number of things we need to talk about. There's kind of, um, Chaz can probably comment on this because Chaz has written books. He's written, obviously, Beach Grit. He's a well-known writer, but when you get stopped here or at the airport, what do people talk about? Yeah, I wasn't a podcast listener uh, in my life. Like the medium wasn't something you know. I didn't listen to the radio. I, I just did consume. And uh, so when David said, you know, we should start doing this uh, biweekly, 
you know, I thought, okay, why not? I'll, you know, it's fun to throw anything against the wall. Um, the more we did it, the more I realized that oops, I was getting like twice as much interaction based on our podcast than anything from each event or anything from books. The people would stop me in the supermarket, uh, people would, you know, grab me at the airport or wherever I was, were always seemed to be podcast listeners above anybody else. Where it feels like, um, I don't know, there's, there's something about the intimacy of it, maybe just hearing somebody talk in your ear, or I, mean, I don't even know really what it is, but I know that it grabs people in a, in a way that, you know, writing is fun, and books are, I mean, books are what I love to do, god damn me, I guess, but that's what I love to do more than anything else, but there's something about, uh, yeah, the engagement you get from listening to somebody that's different from anything else, and I had a, uh, uh, somebody who reads Beach Grit reached out recently and said you should do less writing about surf and more talking about surf purely because people are working all day long and it's it's easier for people, you know, if you're, I don't know, roofing or laying bricks or, you know, doing any kind of physical activity, you can have earbuds in and be listening to stuff and people need stuff all day long, right? I think people crave some kind of break from from you know my day job and it's easier for a lot of people to listen than to sit with something on your screen so i don't know i think it feels like an amazing gold rush in a way of not a gold rush necessarily i mean you know whatever with the finances but in terms of a way to get people's attention again in this you know vastly scattered marketplace where there's so much attention for people's attention i mean so much demand for people's attention on podcast cut through I question it all the time. Like I think about, I listen to Joe Rogan's a popular podcast, Adam Carolla. I listen to those guys and I feel like I know them. And so I'm thinking, why do I feel like I know Joe Rogan where I don't feel that way about Dr. Phil or Ellen DeGeneres or these people that are on TV that are celebrities that I've had a lot of exposure to, but I don't feel that intimacy. So what I think it is, could be that it's hours long format oftentimes repeatedly. So it's repetition. I think more than any of that, it's that it's raw and unscripted. There's no artifice in podcasting. So you watch Ellen, everybody's got makeup, it's edited, it's scripted, and it feels fake. So one of the other guys, Sal Masakela is another good story where I had him on the podcast and he's been on national television, you know, Vice, all that correspondence stuff. But he said the same thing, walking through airports, people talk to him about the podcast. Well, when he's in front of the camera doing visual stuff, He's just, he's just a figurehead. They don't know him. The podcast, he's able to tell his story. You're able to hear the inflections of his voice and that builds intimacy. I think that um, because it's unscripted, there's also a vulnerability to it. You hear Rogan working through thoughts and that develops something that as a brand, that kind of loyalty, I don't think is replicable in a lot of other ways. There's, there's something about even the feedback, you know, I'll get from our podcast is the moments people like best as us talking about washing our hair or, you know, what kind of deodorant to use or the, the stupid, you know, the, the simple stuff, not just like all the, I mean, which would get edited out in any other media, you know? So really what I think I'm trying to say with all of that is that it requires an active engagement from the listener. The listener is, they have no visual to distract them. They're in their car, zoning out, listening to what we're talking about, filling in gaps in their head. And I think that's hugely important. Um, when you're hiring for a small business, you wanna find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. 
your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're also welcomed into their private space. They're doing it in their car with nobody else around, and we're there with them. And we hear, we get, we get emails from people all the time who said they're screaming into the speakers, arguing with us, correcting our misinformation, that sort of stuff, which you kill for. That's exactly what you want. You want that sort of stuff. So I have a, um, I think all of this intimacy fosters a level of trust and empathy with the listener that actually subverts all of the current kind of brand client relationship. In all other brand client relationships, there's an understanding of like, I'm flipping through the magazine, here's an advertisement, I know it's an advertisement, it's different than editorial, I'm going to interpret it differently. This podcast medium, because of the active engagement and filling in the gaps, it subverts that. We're now friends and they actually want to support what it is we're talking about. And there's something too, I think it's really easy in digital media for people to buy, you know, buy views or buy bots or whatever. Like, I mean, I just heard or read the other day that the internet's finally reached the inflection point where there's more fake users online, there's more bots than there is real people. There's something about podcasts where you know you're speaking to a real person at the end, that's the only thing that matters, which I think has value in, in this day and age. 100% it does. Um, so let's talk about like if you do that podcast, if you have that attention and that intimacy developed with the with the listeners, if you want to advertise on it, either as a brand who's doing your own podcast or maybe just buying ad space on other podcasts, what does that look look like? Once you have their attention, what does that look like? And there's a Wired article, which again, if you want it, I'll send it to you. Really interesting. It's called "Podcasts Really Are the Holy Grail." that advertisers have hoped for. Advertisers saw this thing coming, they've invested, and realistically, they're like, holy cow, we're actually seeing a return on this investment. Um, there's a number of different advertisements that you can do, the straight up, and if you've listened to podcasts, you've probably heard all of them. There's a straight up ad read, which is Casper Mattress gives you the ad copy, and you say, 
what their copy is and use promo code SURF or whatever it is and they can track that investment. Generally, and there's, a, there's just a industry standard rate for how that works. It's 25 bucks for every thousand downloads. So if you have 10,000 listeners, you could charge the company 250 bucks. And your goal is just to grow your audience to charge more. I generally am of the opinion advertisers don't see the greatest return on that investment. That's kind of the least engaging way because you're reading the ad copy. It breaks down the trust between the, the listener and the host. Um, there's a number of advertising agencies that exist that just operate as they bring in all the ads. We could partner with them and do a 50-50 split. They say, hey, this week you're gonna advertise for stamps.com. We've opted not to do that because I feel like if I provide you with stamps.com, that's not really adding any value to your life. You've already heard it on every other podcast you've ever listened to. I'm not, I wanna maintain the integrity between my relationship and the listener. So I don't wanna provide them with anything that isn't adding value. And realistically, I don't think I'm gonna tr convert a lot of listeners for stamps.com. Not really the best fit. Seems to work for other brands. What Chaz and I have done is kind of create branded segments. So Spy Sunglasses, spyoptic.com, use promo code podcast. Um, SpyOptic basically came up and they were like, hey, we wanna support what you guys are doing, but we trust that you'll know how to do it best. So go ahead and like take the reins. What do you wanna do? We started out doing the branded or just the ad roll or the ad copy read. And then we realized it's not right. It's not the right fit. Beach Grit, Chaz's website, their comment section is notorious for kind of crass, cr crude comments. Grumpy comments. Grumpy comments. And Grumpy Spy comments. has this technology they've patented with their lenses, which is the happy lens. It lets the good light in, blocks the bad light out. So we go, well, the comment section is kind of the most valuable part of Beach Grit, and it's grumpy. Let's give away a pair of happy lenses to the grumpiest commenter. I wish I had a pair of them yesterday. <laughs> that was his problem yesterday. He was wearing his Ray-Bans. So here's the reality is, doing that first, it's worked out flawlessly, and here's why. It creates active engagement, right? So you're giving, you're empowering the people to engage with this medium. It, share, it makes the commercial entertaining. Nobody ever fast forwards through the happy giveaway segment. It's the best segment of the show, you know? It shines the limelight directly on the comment section itself. It's saying, hey, turns out Beach Grit, the celebrities aren't Chaz and Derek. The celebrities are the commenters themselves. Let's profile these guys. Something go wrong? No. Okay, so, and those, by the way, those commenters have now risen up the ranks and are now contributing written pieces as the featured writers on the website. It often, that, that branded segment often requires us to talk about SPY for a lot longer than the 60 seconds that they're paying for. We end up talking about SPY for five minutes. It also, the commenters reference SPY in the comment section. Somebody leaves a terrible comment and somebody will reply, you're just trying to win the SPY happy lenses. So SPY is now getting all this added value out of their 60 second ad buy in the comment section. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, and I think part of it for me too, I, I refuse, patently refuse to advertise anything I don't believe in. Right. Uh, and so I think just the authenticity of, you know, all my damn spies are broken now. And, uh, that's why I didn't have any yesterday. But I really truly believe in the product. I like the sunglasses, it's fantastic. But even that, like not just doing something for stamps.com or mattress.whatever or whatever, you know, the random stuff. Uh, I don't know. It, like I think it gives the show it, it's just fun for us to talk about. It doesn't I never feel like I'm advertising now. We're just 
it's another thing that we're talking about. We all use products, and yeah, you know, we're all. I'm not anti-capitalist at all. I love products. I want you know the stuff that I like to to be successful, and it's a way. It gives us a way to talk about it. You know, and I hate the damn word authenticity, but it is. It's actually authentic. I, I like the stuff. Yeah, and I also felt like if we're going to implement working with an agency and stamps.com and all that sort of stuff, we're kind of funneling money outside of the industry. Maybe you need to buy a mattress anyways, and that's fine. But I kind of realized our listeners are supporting these things that we actually are talking about. I'd rather funnel that money back into the industry, you know? Point is, there's a lot of different type of advertising you can do. It shouldn't be profit focused. If you design the podcast just as a profit thing, like I said, MasterCard's podcast is, it undermines the intimacy that really is the backbone of all of this. So figure out what the ethos is, what the angle is, provide value for the listener, and then you'll just, you'll benefit organically. So what I've seen happen through all of this is a real distinct loyalty where people are our friends. Like I'm, I've traveled a bit on the road. I stay with podcast listeners in their house. Chad Davis back there, Carolina Surf Film Festival. Stayed with him in Charleston, stayed with his brother in Wilmington. People find out I'm coming to town. They're like, let's go out to dinner. I was apprehensive to even engage a lot of this at first, but it's only paid dividends. It's only fostered relations, like good long-term friendships and relationships. It's largely why I met Kevin and John at the Florida Surf Film Festival. It's just kind of fans reach out and they want to be involved. Give them a chance. You gotta gotta vet them a little bit, make sure they're not crazy, but Give them a chance, and that develops a type of loyalty that I think is brand new for brands. We've seen brand loyalty in the past. People want to wear Supreme because it's hip and it's hard to get and all that sort of stuff. This is different. So I'm going to talk about why it's different. Um, I think that there's a principle of reciprocity at play with this that I've never really seen before. The audience is grateful, like sincerely grateful for the content because it actually adds value to their life. And we're not asking for almost anything in return. Within the first year of doing the podcast back in 2013, I had people emailing me asking to send me money. They're like, hey, and I didn't have advertising back then. They're just like, hey, can you get a PayPal set up? I want to give you money. Never heard of that happening before. So I think that brands strive to develop, of course, brand loyalty. And they'll often do it through reward programs, right? So you get your Ralph's Club card and there's a little bit of incentive for every amount spent or for the volume of, or the consistency of your shopping experience, you'll get some sort of a little gift back. This is very different than that. This isn't that. This is an entirely, it's actually the opposite. It's we're gonna pay it forward. We're just gonna give you free stuff that you actually want that nobody else is giving you. And then organically, instinctively, the listeners want to support. It's just a, a, a natural principle of reciprocity. So if you do this thing successfully, you'll have constant exposure to a potential client. You'll be first in mind for the client always. Maybe they're not looking to buy sunglasses today or this year. Eventually, they're going to want to buy sunglasses. And Spy will be first in mind because they've heard the constant repetition. More important than that is that you're developing a personal relationship with the potential client long before they become a client. They just, they like you, they want you to succeed. You're fostering trust by giving them this free thing repeatedly over and over. They believe you, they trust you, they wanna support you. So after all that, I think just human nature mandates an instinct for reciprocity. 
and the potential client organically wants to support you and that type of loyalty uh, is sincere, invaluable, and as far as I've seen, not really accessible through any other type of medium or marketing. That's all I got. I don't know if Chaz has anything else. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, if you do want any information about Podcasting 101, how to get started, whatever, I'll give you the whole playbook. Feel free to either chat with me here or just give me your card and we can email after. And uh, I'll answer questions. We've got a question up front. What's your investment every week as far as time goes? He's asking, what's my time investment every week? Um, there's no getting around the time investment. There's been weeks where I've spent legitimately 40 hours in editing. I mean, in terms of driving and meeting somebody, recording for two or three hours, driving home, editing. Well, I'll spend up to 10 hours in pre-production, prepping for the person for the interview, five hours in terms of driving and recording, and then up to 20 hours in post-production editing. Then you got all the social media kind of like following through of advertising the thing. So don't expect to not work. You work super hard. And you can listen, by the way, there's plenty of people who dove into this thing because there's no financial investment and zero barrier of entry, and it shows. You know, like with, they don't do the 40 hours and it shows. You listen to a couple of episodes, they'll get weeded out eventually, or a lot of them already have. Because a lot of people aren't willing, I mean, I did this for four years without seeing a dime in return. So nobody's willing to do something 40, 10 to 40 hours a week for free, you know? Um, I did it because I have a passion for the community. I could see like it growing. I just, I, I, honestly, the reason why I did it is I felt like I've benefited from surfing forever, for 20 years, and I felt I had these relationships and something of value to add back that wasn't being added. And I was like, well, I can add value back to surfing through this thing. In that amount of time, the medium has blown up and we've been able to kind of benefit from it. But um, you have to work. On slow weeks, I spend 10 hours. On busy weeks, I spend 40. Any other questions? We got one down here. Yeah, the question is like a tech question. How often are you sitting in the same room with a guest versus doing one over the phone? I almost exclusively do them over the phone. I mean, I'm sorry, in person. The technology exists to do it over the phone, but it requires a big financial investment to get the landline and all that sort of stuff. I'm fortunate enough to where I live in Southern California. Everybody in the surf industry comes through Southern California at some point. So um, I, don't, I won't mention his name, but an important, like iconic Australian surf figure emailed me while we were here yesterday saying, hey, let's connect and do a podcast. I'll be in town in October. I've got a new book coming out. We're going to do a tour. So I'm like, all right, let's schedule that for October rather than doing it over the phone. It important, like, I don't need to get it right away. The other thing is I did one with Clark Little um, that Hurley put together a number of months ago. And he's in Hawaii. I'm in California. I had Peter King go and record Clark's audio first person and then send me the file and I stitched it together. So again, that's a question of labor lesser podcasters would have just given you the the record the garbled phone call recording and it would have been hard to listen to i took the extra three or four hours to edit the two first generation audios together to sound like we were in the room together so there's ways that you can work around it if you need to be far apart 
Did I see a question in the back there at some point? A hand up? No? Questions, Glenn? Do you have to record in a studio or can you like be like a Good question, Glenn. Glenn's asking, do we have to have like a controlled environment to record in? Glenn runs the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center in San Clemente. It's the Smithsonian of surfing, I would argue, shack.org. And we use their library space as a studio um, for a podcast that I co-host with Scott Bass called Spit. It's like a news style show. And um, Scott and I, I have a day job. Scott wants to surf. so <laughs> So, we often, the shack doesn't open till 10 a.m. and so often we want to record at 8 a.m. And if they're not there, we'll just record in his truck if need be. So ideally you want a controlled environment. I'm at the point now where it's like getting it done is more important. I'll drive to you wherever you're at. I saw Britt Merrick back there from Channel Islands. It's a lot easier for me to say to Britt Merrick, I'll drive up to Santa Barbara in Channel Islands, take, you know, six hours out of my day to do that and meet you where you're at than it is for me to take a busy guy like Britt who has a family and a day, multiple day jobs and say, hey, will you take six hours out of your day and come to me? It's a lot less likely that he'll follow through with that. So that I go out of the way to do those sort of things rather than using a, a stationary studio. Questions from the audience? Going once. Chaz, any closing thoughts while people think of questions? Nope. Okay. Beachgrit.com, surfsplendorpodcast.com, and just search at surfsplendor or at beachgrit on Instagram and all that stuff. Thank you Thank for listening. Thank you all very much. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Just a quick sign off. Surfsplendorpodcast.com, of course, is the website where you can access my show notes from this seminar and you can find all past episodes. On iTunes, it was only loading the uh, most recent 50 episodes of the show. I've actually corrected that. I fixed it. So now it shows every show uh, from 2013 onwards, I guess, 253 as of today. So you can access all of that in your podcast app or, of course, on surfsplendorpodcast.com. All right. Thanks so much. I'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Shred on.